Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, August 7th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, so because it is the first week of the month, we're going to start with coming up this month in the world of sports. And we start with Sailing World Championships are take place August 10th through the 18th. Then we have the Little League World Series, which runs August 17th through 27th, so be able to see lots of baseball going on. Track and Field World Championships will be held August 19th through the 27th in Japan. U.S. Gymnastics, which is the national meet, that will take place August 24th through the 27th. FIBA World Games, that it will take place August 25th through September 10th. And then College Football Week Zero is August 26th. We have officially arrived in the same month. That actually begins with Aer Lingus College Football Classic. This year will be Notre Dame versus Navy. Again, that is also on August 26th. Then we also have the U.S. Open, which is the final Grand Slam of the tennis world. That will start August 28th and run through September 10th. And then college football, week one, all teams will be in action August 31st through September 4th. And as always, we're going to start with what happened over the last week, and we're going to start with baseball. So this week's updates, starting off the week, Phillies, pitcher, Tijuan Walker is the first to hit 12 wins this season after beating the Marlins on Monday 4-2 and rallied in the ninth on Tuesday to take that win as well. The Angels got 10 hits and three solo home runs to beat the MLB-leading Braves 4-1. The Rockies upset the Padres in the 10th off a sacrifice fly to win 4-3. The Diamondbacks took the W in the 11th over the Giants by one run. The Brewers stopped their four-game skid, beating the Nationals on Tuesday 6-4. Walker may have been the first, but the Rays pitcher Elfin got his 12th win on Tuesday over the Yankees thanks to six shutout innings and a 5-4 score. The Orioles destroyed the Blue Jays 13-3 with right fielder Santander's second Grand Slam of his entire career. And if you thought that score was bad, the Cubs beat the Rays 20-9 that same day and then 16-6 the next day. So, yikes. The Twins finally broke their five-game losing streak by a 3-2 win over the Cardinals. Rangers pitcher Heaney struck out 11 batters, and the Rangers beat the White Sox 2-0 in under two hours. That is a quick baseball game, people. On Wednesday, the Braves put the beat down on the Angels, beating them 12-5, three of those being home runs. The Brewers had three errors, including a costly one in the ninth to give the Nationals the W. The Marlins came back to win in their 12th inning after bases were loaded, winning 9-8. The Orioles stopped their five-game at-home losing streak by beating the Orioles 4-1. Dodgers star Mookie Betts hit his 29th home run in their 10-1 win over the A's. Scherzer won his debut for the Rangers 5-3 over the White Sox. The Brewers took back the National League Central after winning 14-1 over the Pirates. 
Shohei Otani hit his 40th home run on Thursday after exiting the mound early with finger cramps, and thus the Mariners got a W 5-3. to The Braves had back-to-back-to-back home runs on Friday to stop the Cubs' hot streak, winning 8-0. to Blue Jays second baseman Davis Snyder hit a home run in his first major league at bat to help his team win over the Red Sox 7-3 and then 13-1 on Sunday. The Royals swept the Twins and the Mets and won their seventh game straight on Friday before losing to the Phillies on Saturday. Verlander threw seven innings to debut his second time as an Astro and they and then they lose to the Yankees 3-1. The Rangers rallied from an 0-5 start to beat the Marlins 9-8. The Reds took their fifth straight loss as Nationals pitcher Adon retired the first 17 batters, winning for his team 7-3. The Reds would also go on to lose another game on Sunday to get to six straight losses. On the flip side of that, the Cubs beat the leading Braves 6-4 to take their sixth straight win. Mariners are on their fifth straight victory on Sunday in the 10th inning, and they swept the Angels. In more baseball news, Astros pitcher Framber Valdez threw the 16th no-hitter in Astros history on Tuesday against the Guardians. He only took 93 pitches, with 65 of those being strikes. He did walk one batter in the fifth, but the team got him out on a double play in that inning. This is only the third no-hitter of the season. And that's not the only headline that the Houston team had this week as they reacquired pitcher and star and Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander from the Mets. They shipped off outfielder Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford to get their ace back. Now, we just heard that Verlander was being shipped off to New York, and now he's already back in H-Town. The White Sox took the W over the Guardians on Saturday, but after a brawl broke out, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson and Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez exchanged punches and have gotten and since gotten suspended for their bench-clearing fight. Actually, Tim Anderson hit the ground. Anderson has been suspended for six games and Ramirez for three. Also suspended for one game is Guardians closer Emmanuel Chase, the managers, and Guardians third base coach as well. The fight broke out after Ramirez slid into second safely, I might add, in the sixth inning. And then the White Sox ended up winning the entire thing. They were already winning like 5-1 to one at that point, but they won ultimately 7-4 to four as they had three solo home runs in five batters in that game. So I think... The Guardians were just getting frustrated, and when Ramirez slid in, there was a lot of getting up in each other's face, and it was, yeah, it looked like a hockey fight. It was pretty crazy. Don't really see that in the MLB all that often. Moving along to I call college football because it majorly affects college football, and it's kind of the reason behind it. So craziness went down, and moral of the story is the fact that the Pac-12 did not have their TV deal solidified ended up in this conference realignment craziness. So remember last week when we said Colorado rejoined the Big 12. That pretty much started the dominoes falling. Then Thursday, Arizona looked to join the Big 12 as well. Then we thought maybe that wasn't to go and the Big and the Pac-12 was going to be saved. But then Friday, Washington and Oregon joined the Big 
10. And we weren't even done that same day. Later on Friday, Arizona State and Utah both announced they were leaving and joining the Big 12. So that is Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah all going to the Big 12, and then Oregon and Washington going to the Big 10. That only leaves four teams in the Pac-12, which was formed in 1915. To put that in perspective, the SEC wasn't even created till 1934. So that leaves, those four schools are Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State. Now, we are left with a lot of rumors and a lot of questions. So what happens to the rest of the Pac-12? Potentially, the rumor is that they may be absorbed by the Mountain West. Also, rumors are swirling that the ACC is potentially looking at Cal and Stanford and hopefully getting them over to their league. Also, when I was listening to Cover 3, which is a bunch of CBS analysts, they were saying that they wouldn't be surprised if Stanford tries to kind of go and do its own thing and be independent like Notre Dame does. So TBD on all of that. Are we done with all of this? Who knows? Notre Dame and Florida State are still, quote unquote, up for grabs. And for those of you who are confused, Florida State is in the ACC, but they have been talking with private equity firms to fund their early exit from the ACC. The reason this is all happening right now is that before August 15th, that's the deadline to say, hey, I want to leave that whatever conference I'm in for the 2024 season. So all of this is not going to take effect until next year. We obviously have some new people in the Big 12 this year with UCF, BYU, Houston, all of those guys joining. Um, This is kind of the follow-up effect of that, but this will be for the 2024 season. So that's why we're seeing all of these kind of fall right now. Also in football news, the NFL added nine Hall of Famers, and those Hall of Famers are linebacker slash defensive end DeMarcus Ware, linebacker Zach Thomas, offensive tackle Joe Thomas, cornerback Darrell Revis, cornerback Rondé Barber, defensive lineman Joe Clelko, uh, linebacker Chuck Howley, cornerback Ken Riley, and coach Don Coriel. So congratulations. And then on the blog, I actually linked the article that actually comes from the professional, from the Pro Football Hall of Fame.com website. And on there, there's an amazing video of, Hall of current Hall of Famers going and surprising the inductees and telling them they're going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And you're watching like grown men cry. It's absolutely amazing. So be sure you check out that link as well. Moving along to golf, Lucas Glover solidified his spot in the FedEx Cup playoffs after taking the Wyndham Championship. He won by two strokes over Henley and on on the birthday of his late grandfather that got him into the game of golf to begin with. That was this was Glover's fifth PGA Tour win starting from 2005, so spanning quite some time and including a 2009 U.S. Major Championship. Also, Justin Thomas will not be in the FedEx Cup playoffs after the putt that's linked on the blog. That putt had to drop to get him into the top 70, and it just lipped out. So he collapsed on the on the course and everything. So it'll be absolutely crazy to not see him in the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. Also, there was a live event this past week, and we saw a first. Bryson DeChambeau shot a 58 on Sunday, carding 13 birdies at Greenbrier. This was also Bryson's first live tour victory. He won by six shots over Mito Pereira. 
The Greenbrier you might recognize as it hosted a PGA Tour event for nine years. And in fact, its inaugural tournament, this is pretty crazy. The winner was Stuart Alby, Appleby. And he won a, uh, he shot a 59 to, in the final round to win as well. So kind of crazy that in the inaugural cha- like championship for the Greenbrier for the Live Tour, kind of same thing for the PGA Tour. Also, Bryson DeChambeau's Torque team won as well. This is, by the way, a 58 has only happened one time on the PGA Tour, and that was by Jim Furyk at the 2016 Travelers Championship. And it is the fourth time in a quote-unquote top league of golf. The lowest score ever recorded in the game of golf is a 57. And then also in other golf news, and this was pretty big, this was today, so it was kind of breaking, 2024 PGA Tour schedule has been announced. And there will be 36 regular season events that will that will be scheduled from January to August with eight signature events, and only three of those will have cuts after 36 holes. So we're seeing a little bit of that live tour emphasis here as well. Those eight do not include the majors and the players, which of course will always be there. We have not seen a calendar year schedule since 2012. I was still in college the last time that happened, which means it's running January to August. Playoffs will begin like this year with the FedEx St. Jude hosting the top 70 by FedEx Cup points. Then the BMW top 50 and the and the tour championship goes to the top 30. The eight signature events are the Century, AT&T Pebble Beach, Genesis Invitational, Arnold Palmer Invitational, RBC Heritage, Wells Fargo Championship, the Memorial, and the Travelers, meaning that they will reward higher purses and more FedEx Cup points. The three tournaments of those eight that will have cuts are the player-hosted tournaments, which is the Genesis Invitational, that's Tiger's Invitational, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and, of course, the Memorial Moving along to Olympic sports and Biles is back. Simone Biles competed for the first time in two years at the Hydration Classic this weekend and took home the all-around floor, vault, and beam titles. That, For those of you who don't know the sport very well, that leaves one. That left the uneven bars. She took the all-around title by five points over Leanne Wong, looking just about as good as her old self. And five points, y'all, is insane in a, like, sport that is usually differentiated by tenths. This was the final meet to qualify for nationals, which is at the end of the month, as I announced earlier. Suni Lee, Jade Carey, and Jordan Childs all competed this weekend as well, but no one shone as brightly as the GOAT herself. And then also sticking with gymnastic news, Nike and USA Gymnastics have extended their sponsorship deal through the 2028 LA Olympic Games. And finally, ending with soccer news, and it is frankly not great as the United States women's national team is out of the World Cup. This is the earliest exit for the women's team ever, as usually they had either won the whole thing as the last two, or they have at least made it to the semifinal. So they lost to Sweden. Sweden and the United States were evenly matched, although the United States looked better than they had all World Cups so far. But MVP of the game has to go to the Swedish goalkeeper, Musevic, who had 11 saves. In comparison, Team USA, Nayers, uh, Nayers, our goalkeeper, only had one. So the USA had their chances in regulation, including nine corners, 
four offsides calls and 22 shots, 11 of which were on target. And then obviously Mosevich saved those 11 shots. It was absolutely crazy. But we ended regulation 0-0 with very limited, actually, extra time added. Then we played an additional 30 minutes, so two 15-minute halves. Still no goals at the end of that, so we were headed to penalty kicks. So we were perfect through the first four PKs, so we were tied 2-2. Then our goalkeeper, Nayer, saves the next one. So USA scores. We were up by one. Then Sweden missed, so now we're up by two. So all Rapino had to do was make it and we should win. And she missed. Then we get a killer save. So then all Sophia Smith has to do is put it in the net and she missed. So it all comes down to Sweden had to make their final goal to keep the World Cup dream alive. And they do. So now we go one for one is basically what that means. So because we ended up being tied at the end of five, you get first five it was we got three they got three and it doesn't matter in what order it's those five then we go one for one so our goalie Nayer actually takes a PK and makes it so nice job there then Sweden scores so still one one continuing on and then we have a we had a last minute sub at the end of extra regulation um O'Hara hits the post and misses so Sweden just has to score on this next goal and Hertig shoots. Nayer looks to get the save, but it goes over the goal line by the slightest of margins. Literally had to be reviewed by VAR, which is that, um, which is literally like technology, had to go back and review it. And the United States goes home. So for those of you who don't know the sport, the ball has to completely go over the line, the goal line. And Nayer was amazing. She did get a hand on it. She blocked it, but she blocked it and it still went backwards enough. She got her hand on it, but it went backwards enough and it did by literally a millimeter. And actually I looked this up earlier today. It is the thick of a pencil. Like literally the, if you sharpen a pencil, that is a millimeter. So that is how much we lost by and suddenly we go home. So Sweden was number three coming in and sends number one packing. So Julie Hertz has now since announced her retirement. Rapino has also said she would retire. And she did mention that it's a sick joke to miss her final goal of her career. It was kind of weird because she did have like this smile on her face the entire time. And I know like sick joke definitely makes that, but it was still kind of weird. So, um, it is heartbreaking for these ladies and they, it, it showed it definitely did. Um, so now Sweden advances to the quarterfinal and that is what happened over the last week. So let's go on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. So in the MLB, we've got tons of games on TV as that is pretty much the only major sport going on right now. Tuesday Astros at the Orioles at 6 5 PM on TBS. You'll have pitchers France versus Rodriguez in that matchup. Friday, you have a couple games on Apple TV+. Plus. Saturday, there will be three games at 6.15 on Fox, depending on your geographical location. You can either get the Angels at the Astros, the Braves at the Mets, or the Brewers at the White Sox. Saturday night, the Orioles take on the Mariners at 8.40 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And then Sunday, wrapping up the week, the Tigers at the Red Sox at 11.05 a.m. on Peacock. And then the Braves at the Mets at 6 p.m. on ESPN. 
We have some basketball back in here as well as we've got Team USA showcasing. So Monday, catch USA versus Puerto Rico at 9 on Fox Sports 1. Saturday will be the United States versus Slovenia at 2.30 on Fox Sports 1. And then Sunday, the United States versus Spain at 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Also back this week, we have NFL preseason going on. You may have seen the Jets versus the Browns last week. That was like the Hall of Fame game. Now we've got actual preseason. Do not take these games too seriously. I mean, we're going to start, you're going to see like trying out quarterbacks and all kinds of stuff. So um, actually, as a matter of fact, Bryce Young is expected to start for the Panthers. So Thursday, I will not usually announce this, by the way, when we get to regular season, I won't announce games only on NFL Network. But because there's really not a lot of sports on right now, I will announce it. So Thursday, starting the Texans at the Patriots at 6, the Vikings at the Seahawks at 9. Friday, the Packers at the Bengals at 6, and then the Broncos at the Cardinals at 9. Again, all of these are NFL Network, unless I say so. The next game, Saturday, the Titans at the Bears at noon will be on NBC, believe it or not. That game is in Chicago. Then the rest of this is all NFL. So NFL Network. Jets at the Panthers at 3. Eagles at the Ravens at 6. Chargers at the Rams at 8. And then Sunday, the Chiefs at the Saints at noon. And the 49ers at the Raiders at 3. Moving along to golf on Thursday, the LPGA Tour AIG Women's Open. This is the final major of the year for the Women's Tour. Round one at 5 a.m. on USA. PGA Tour FedEx Cup St. Jude Championship. Round one will be at 2 on Golf Channel. Same on Friday, AIG Women's Open round two at 5 a.m. on USA. The Live Tour Bedminster comes in round one at noon on the CW. PGA FedEx Cup, FedEx St. Jude Championship. God, the FedEx Cup just rolls off my tongue now. (laughs) Second round will be at two on Golf Channel. Saturday, the AIG Women's Open third round at 6 a.m. on USA. Live round two at noon on CW. And then the FedEx St. Jude at one on Golf Channel. And then we move over to CBS at two. Sunday, the LPGA AIG Women's Open final round, 6 a.m. on USA. And then it moves over to NBC at 11. The PGA Tour FedEx St. Jude Championship final round at one on Golf Channel and two on CBS. And the final round of the Live Bedminster tour as well at noon on the CW. Then we don't have any Olympic sports that I could find on regular scheduled programming. So we move on to soccer. And again, the United States is out, so we don't play anymore. But for other round of 16s, Monday this morning was England versus Nigeria at 2.30 a.m. on Fox Sports 1 and Australia versus Denmark at 5.30 also on Fox Sports 1. Tuesday, you can find the Colombia versus Jamaica at 3 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then France versus Morocco at 6 on Fox Sports 1. Then we have a little bit of a break till Thursday and Thursday night. So the quarterfinals, this is already determined. Spain versus the Netherlands. Remember, the Netherlands beat us in group play, not actually like head-to-head, but by goal differential. Um, They will play at 8 on Fox it is also going to be re-aired at 11 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then on Friday, the another quarterfinal, Japan versus, hey, and guess what? They beat us, Sweden, at 2.30 a.m. on Fox. Again, re-aired at 5.30 on Fox Sports 1. The other two semifinals will be Saturday, Australia versus, well, a to-be-determined team that will take place literally tomorrow at 2 a.m. on Fox. And then the other quarterfinal is England versus TBD at 5.30, also on Fox. So the Women's World Cup semifinals will take place next, like not this coming up week, but this next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, 
And then third place match will be next Saturday. And then with the final being next Sunday. That wraps it up for me this week. Absolutely heartbreaking to lose in PKs for Team USA. Important announcement is that I will not be here next week. It is week 52 of this season, so I will be on vacation taking a little break. You know what to do, though. Check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more, and I'll catch y'all in two weeks.